Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is all about dynamic family leadership, financial freedom, and leaving a profound legacy for our children. If you're wondering what's going on with the real estate market, just the market in general, if you're worried about your retirement fund and if you're able to pay the college fee for your children, well, hang on to your money. Things are going to get better. But real estate is always the way to go. This is one thing that we need. We can help you earn extra $10,000 a month in less than 10 years by investing in real estate. We teach parents how to create a safe, personalized real estate portfolio, generating at least $10,000 a month, involve the children in creating wealth. Now, of course, you can invest alone, but when the family's involved, you empower your kids to become financially literate and able to manage their own life. When you have a family business, you and your kids now always have something to talk about. So wealth building brings the family together, kids, teens, parents. It's the new family sport. We find, renovate, manage for you so that you can build knowledge and wealth. Schedule your Is Real Estate Right For Me educational call today. Go to my website at integrativeminds.com and there you can also find my three books to order, True Legacy Wealth, Creating Generational Wealth Through Real Estate Investing and Real Estate Investing for Women. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and syndicated on RethinkRadio.org, OneIdeaWay.com, and Armed Radio. Our guest today is the co-founder of the Future Money Trends Letter. He is a self-made multimillionaire, full-time fact-finder, and proud father of three. He launched Future Money Trends with an S.com in 2010, and today he has been the most widely recognized authority for financial freedom and economic research in commodities, cryptocurrencies, personal finance, cash flow, and income ideas. Now he has a YouTube channel, Vision Victory, has received over 10 million video views. Each week, he shares wealth-building interviews, weekly wealth digests, and new investment ideas. When it comes to economics or macroeconomic investing, he is a real trend forecaster. Now you know why I invited him on my show. He's been featured in Wall Street Journal, ABC World News, the RTTV, and his platform is growing every day, reaching almost 150,000 subscribers. So ladies and gentlemen... I would like to introduce you to Daniel Amaduri. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me on your show today. You're welcome. My pleasure to have you on the show. I think what's going on today, you are an asset to all of us. I love what your your intro was about the children investing and learning. And it's kind of like the family business. You know, the family farmers uh, used to train the children at a very young age how to run the farm, how to be a farmer and pass on these trades. And so many of us have forgotten uh, about that tradition. And it's a great idea to teach the kids either a trade that the family does already, or if you're investing as a family, that's even better uh, to encourage the kids to show up to the properties, to show up to the closings. And I love uh, occasionally, most of the checks are ACH nowadays, but occasionally a, uh, I'll get a check and I love to show them in and say, look, 
this is just like Monopoly. Somebody's landed on the property and this is going into mom and dad's bank account. Yep, absolutely. I, I agree. You know, I grew up in an Asian family and you've got the little hair salon or nail salon or restaurant or something. So my mom had a hair and nail salon. So we worked the family business. My dad was in real estate. So I would drive with him in the car before he showed properties back in the 80s to make sure he knew where it was. And so entrepreneurship has always been in my mind. And that's how we grew up. Yeah, it's so important. And I I can't encourage families enough to encourage entrepreneurship. Uh, the schools are only going to teach them how to get a job. So that's covered. You might as well encourage creativity and, and uh, the arts. Those type of things have been highly connected to uh, very successful people. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, some, you know, it's just like, uh, I think it was Albert Einstein said, don't judge a fish by how well it can climb a tree. Oftentimes there's just this one size fits all standard in our schools when your child, uh, I mean, I for one was a C and D student. I know Robert Kiyosaki, who many is probably familiar with this listening to the show, same thing. Um, and, you know, he's obviously done very well in life as a great teacher of all things. But you wouldn't know that from academics. Yep, exactly. I agree. Daniel, you can find him at futuremoneytrends.com. So before we get into your take on what's going on with the economy, I want to see if you can share your own experience, ups and down, and how you weathered the storm, because you have a really incredible uh, backstory. I, like many listening here, I had to go through the 2008 crisis, which was turned out to be a huge blessing. I had a lot of foreclosures and short sales. My wife and I nearly filed bankruptcy. We didn't have to, uh, but we went to a bankruptcy attorney's office to look at our options. It got that bad. And what that did, though, was help us to be more prudent in our wealth building, to focus on cash flow rather than speculative price appreciation, which is all I invested for in the beginning. And I learned a great lesson in 2008. Not only uh, did I become a more prudent and conservative investor, a safer cash flow investor, but I had a duplex that got cut in half in price. And the cash flow actually increased because if you remember around 09010, there was a flood of former homeowners coming onto the rental market. And that's when I learned that a landlord's market is pretty much, uh, it's seasonal of all four seasons of the economic cycle. So whether it's an economic winter, which is what we're going into now, or economic summer, it's pretty much a great time to be a landlord. Now, I know this is a special time, obviously talking about the coronavirus this is the first time landlords may see defaults and not have any kind of recourse. But again, this is a temporary situation. Uh, it's not the end of the world. As long as there's people, people are always going to need to live in homes. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when you, when you, and, and businesses. These businesses, they'll always want to have that people factor, whether it's a hospital or a government building, perhaps, uh, or, or some sort of jujitsu studio. It doesn't matter. Uh, or grocery stores. All of these companies need buildings. They need to service their customers and they need actual individual personal contact. As long as there's people, like I was saying before, even though they might be renting, they might be losing their home, like you said, in the 2008 market, the goal is always to buy a home. Like nobody wants to rent forever. So there's always that market in there for people who want to buy. And I know I have friends who are asking me, well, do you really think the, mar the real estate market is going to get back? I said, the real estate market is going to get back. It's just a matter of when. It's not if. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it, it is what it is. You, you look at whether it's a 100-year chart or 300-year chart, if you expect civilization to continue, I think housing is a good place to park money. And people worldwide will do that now more so than ever. 
uh, these currencies, the way the central banks are treating the currencies as far as how much they're printing and creating, and then as far as the government's debts and all these pension obligations, there's a lot of reasons to store your money in real estate just as a safe asset. Uh, you know, I've got uh, people from Mexico and China who often buy city, uh, buy real estate in my city uh, because they look at it as a, as a safe place away from their governments. Um, and I think we're going to see more and more of that, uh, especially as the results of what's been happening with the, the coronavirus. I think a lot of people around the world are going to be looking for safety, not even necessarily a big return. They're just looking for a safe place to put money. And I think one of the go-to places will be real estate for, for institutional size type investors. We talked earlier and we're saying to recommend to our clients and our people to just kind of hold on to their money. While they're holding their money, what should they be doing? You know, now's a great time for self-improvement. Now's a great time to learn more. Now's a great time to look for opportunities to perhaps uh, have a, a price you're willing to pay for something, but wait for it to come down to you. Um, also consider and think creatively on properties that might have distressed sellers. Look for properties that perhaps were listed uh, for, let's say, 100, 180 days on the MLS. Well, it's it's easy to do the math. These things are not going to sell in the next month or two. So it's only going to add more distress to the seller potentially. Meanwhile, you have the lowest rates possible. This will ultimately turn around. I'm not saying tomorrow, but right now, personally, I have my real estate. I have cash. I have some gold, but I'm completely out of the stock market at this point. Um, I've done a couple day trades in the last six weeks here, but overall, I think you're going to see extreme volatility because the coronavirus was, was the pin that kind of pricked the uh, the credit bubble, the credit expansion that we've seen really for a few decades, but specifically since the 2008 crisis. And now that's going to kind of unwind. So I don't think there's any kind of rush to get into the markets. Uh, just like Warren Buffett shut his own fund down in the 1960s because he said he couldn't find anything great to buy or the famous investor and billionaire Jim Rogers, same thing. He said one of the best investments of his life was four years of doing nothing. And that's one of those times right now. Don't try to chase it up or, or short it down. It's better to just focus on what you can do and what you will want to do as this crisis unfolds. Because believe me, consumer behaviors are changing radically and technology is going to continue to change. And it's all kind of being compressed and forced into us because of this coronavirus uh, lockdown. Even when the U.S. does open up, there's 192 other countries out there. They're going to stagger and open up at different times and reclose at different times. So this is not this. Is, we're still in the very early stages of this. Yeah. You mentioned credit. Where do you think that's going? Because I, I'm looking like obviously people are going to have to use credit, whether it's credit card and that's going to affect their their credit score. Consumers are losing jobs. So how is that going to affect the housing market and buying and selling? You know, I think it goes to, to identifying distressed sellers. There, there will be that possibility in the future. Um, and it's same thing just like in 2008, there may be more demand for rentals of all things. If uh, it's Again, it's like you, you don't think it immediately, but if you do the math, if the homeowners are distressed, they'll become renters. So I think those opportunities are coming. I think they'll probably start, you'll start to see them uh, this summer. And then it, it kind of depends on how this plays out here. But keep in mind, if you just even if you said the coronavirus is done, we open the country back up on April 30th, think of the long-term impacts of, of the economy, what's going to happen to flights, 
how many people are going to continue to travel. Tourism is essentially probably dead for a little bit in, in Italy. Um, how many companies won't be doing conferences or won't even try to set them up in 2021? A, a fear of spending all this money to set up and then have to cancel it when there's the next, you know, coronavirus, uh, you know, peak again in, in maybe perhaps the end of the year, early 2021. So, so much, so much restriction and deflationary pressures on the economy and some of the consumer behavior uh, will be long-term. Like they'll, they'll be saving money for a while. They did this after the depression. They did this for a few years after 2008. And I think now everybody's got the fear of God in them because they literally got cut off and kind of had the rug pulled out from under them. So that's going to change consumer behavior uh, on a long-term basis. So I think that is good if you're looking to buy real estate uh, because if you're looking to buy real estate and perhaps have more of a, a deal uh, that you can make for yourself, a win-win solution for perhaps a distressed seller, those days are coming and I think they're coming in spades. What's your thought about commercial property versus residential properties? I, I like both. Um, I, I, I typically hold my residential real estate property directly. The commercial properties I've done, I've done through private equity and through partners. So I've partnered with say two or three other people. Now, if you've never done commercial property, I highly recommend you partner with somebody who's already done it a few times. Don't partner with somebody who's a CPA and then they want to get into buying a commercial building. Find somebody who's already doing it you're going to want to surround yourself with the right people because ultimately all these things, whether you have one single family home or you have 27 unit apartment building, uh, it's going to be the managers and the people who are structuring the deal and managing the deal that's going to make all the difference. You can have a great property, but horrible management team, and it won't be a very good yielding uh, property for you. So on the single families, if you're just getting started or if that's what you prefer, um, I would just focus on treating them. Uh, like the Marriott treats its customers, you know, like a Hyatt, you, know, you want to be that Marriott and Hyatt type customer service to your tenants. Uh, a lot of people forget that. They're just trying to, you know, keep every penny. But remember, uh, I, if you, you can have tenants for five, 10 years, raise their rent consistently, but you've got to deliver for them as well. And that's one thing I always tell people, if you're buying single families, treat them like a business. And if you're buying commercial property, so you don't get yourself hurt. I always recommend partner with somebody who's on their second or third go around. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to start small, you can always do syndication and get your feet wet that way. Absolutely. You know, I nothing like uh, you know finding these these wholesalers or bird dogs, and you know they'll just bring you the leads. Or like what I used to do in Texas, I used to tell the uh, realtors, "Hey, any property with a foundation problem, give me a call, uh, and I'll be the first guy to put an offer on it." So. You know, the nice thing about single families, you said single family versus commercial, single families, if you can find a little niche for yourself, I mean, you can kind of be the, the, that guy for that city or gal for that city. Uh, commercial properties, obviously, you're dealing with a lot of private equity and even hedge funds are involved in that now. With what's going on and we get back, there might be some good owner financing. I have done nothing but owner finance deals for the last 11 years, since 2009. And I found a lot of success. I'm, I mean, and now I'm on the other side, I'm selling them as seller finance deals as well. But I like seller finance deals uh, because it is more free market. You are negotiating rate, term, balloon payment, down payments. And where you'll find uh, owner occupant, or excuse me, um, uh, seller finance deals, for the most part, the duplex and up, it's not hard to find them. Fiveplex and up, it's very easy to find them. Uh, land, I don't suggest, but you can find it. On the single families, what you're looking for is you're looking for problems. 
that uh, can, that banks don't want to deal with. So that's just to give you an example. That's what I was doing in Texas. Banks don't want to loan money on anything with a foundation problem. So, and also a lot of investors were scared of the problem, even though it's only like a three to five thousand dollar problem. Uh, you know, you you could reach out to the owner and say, "Look, how much money bottom line do you want out of this deal?" And if you could make the numbers work, you could simply take over mortgage payments, put your name on title, and perhaps you only keep their mortgage for two years. Maybe you're even trying to get it done sooner, where you can flip out of it or refinance out of it. But that is where you can create your own. Uh, seller financed opportunities from distressed sellers who can't sell because something's wrong with their property. That's some savvy ways in case your credit score is going down, or maybe you don't have as much money anymore for a down payment. Uh, you can maybe even do a lease for option to buy. I was thinking too. Absolutely, you know it's a great way to control a property. Uh, and seasoned investors can can help you negotiate those deals too, especially if you're. Uh, working with a company like your your show, you know you, there are seller finance deals out there. A lot of people think they're not, but man, they're everywhere if you just start looking. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's one thing that you were saying right now: keep your money, work on self development, study, listen, read, watch, find all these opportunities because there's going to be a lot of opportunities for everyone. Yeah, and if you can cash up right now, uh, cash will give you the courage and the confidence. To seize those opportunities, would you suggest cashing out of the stocks, all of the market stuff? Because everything's gone down, so you've lost tons of money. Or do you think if you if you have money in the market, you just leave it there for now? You know, I think we're seeing a bear market rally. Uh, there's very light volume on this move. It's radical. That's very typical of a bear market rally. We haven't seen anything like this since the 30s or 2008. That's again typical of bear markets. But I would just consider this, uh, you know. I cashed out completely in late January based off of what was happening in the Chinese cities. Uh, now, if you didn't sell and you had it at twenty eight thousand, now it's twenty three thousand. As we do this interview, uh, as far as the Dow Jones, you're like, well, I don't want to lock in that loss. I would consider this uh, really reflect on the changes that will be happening in the next year. Think about any business: are they spending money on marketing? Uh, because if they're not, What's going on with the marketing company? And if that marketing company isn't spending money, uh, where does this? How far does this chain go? And you'll see it's it's a global problem. There, we're going to absolutely go into a recession. There's no way around it. Even though the Federal Reserve and the federal government is throwing all this cash at it, you have to keep in mind all businesses in the United States, all businesses globally. If there's something that can be delayed, they're going to delay it. If there's something that can be shelved, they're going to shelve it. This is an enormous deflationary force, one that we've never seen. We've never seen anything like this. This is not a natural economic force. This is a man-made lockdown and freezing up of the economy. This is not how capitalism. This is not how any of this can work. Even socialism couldn't work on this situation. I mean, like, which doesn't work anyway. But it, this is a situation where you freeze it up purposefully, and that is going to have deep, deep. Implications for the foreseeable future. So, as much as Wall Street's going to try to pump everybody up, and they're going to try to get all this Fed money and uh, use it to buy stocks and, and inflate the markets, let's be real here. Um, these things need to be repriced. We have no idea how much Delta, uh, Delta Airlines or Southwest, is going to make over the next six months or a year. Because even when we do reopen up the economy, it won't reopen up at the same time. And it's it's going it's the consumer behavior is not going back to exactly where it was. Not everybody's booking a trip to Orlando uh, in June 
because the economy opens on April 30th. So the stock market to me right now is all Fugazi. It's a saying on Wall Street. It's we don't know. It's just Fugazi. It's just made up. Uh, so honestly, unless you're like a professional or you've got some sort of AI uh, edge, honestly, why why own these things right now? Uh, that would be my question. Really, why own the stock market at this moment in time? So you're suggesting to just to cash out right now and just hang on to the cash. I I am personally, but I, I also have the belief that the the markets will go down. I could be wrong. I have hedged that belief with a sizable position in gold uh, because if I am wrong uh, and I'm not buying the gold for for I think because the economy is going to blow up. I'm buying the gold because as the deflationary forces are pushing real economics down, the Federal Reserve is pumping out trillions. The federal government is pumping out trillions. And at some point in time, that could become an inflationary event. I don't think that's any time in the next six to 12 months. But should it happen, I've also hedged it with gold, which I consider a cash equivalent. Okay, so we're, we're talking gold and eventually real estate. Ultimately, you want real estate because that's what's going to pay you your dividend. And that's, that's the ultimate hard asset. You have to ask yourself, um, if I had a gold bar right now with me that was about as big as my iPhone, uh, this, this would be worth $170,000. Well, think about that. Would you rather have a $170,000 gold bar or would you rather have um, perhaps a rental property in Atlanta or Austin, Texas? Always because you're making dividends, like you said, cash flowing. Yeah. So absolutely, it always ends up being real estate. Um, so, so I'm I'm glad that you came on because this gives our listeners some things to think about uh, when the real estate come open back up. You know, you don't have to just go conventional loan. There's savvy ways, and I think a lot of sellers are going to be very open to negotiate. It's a very good point. Right now is a great time to learn about seller financing and research it. And, you know, today with YouTube and podcasts, and I mean, I had to buy Carlton Sheets program back in like 1999 <laughs> and uh, learn that way and then stumble my way through this. And I mean, right now you've, you've got all the best minds, best information. It's all out there. Let's switch to home. So while you're sitting at home, what do you recommend doing with your kids? So that kind of goes with all of this, teaching them and having them learn and still be enjoyable. You know, it's a great time for family time, whether you play Monopoly or cash flow or, or net worth, or I mean, I'll be honest with you, my kids, they created this empire over here. They did this on their own. I don't even know why, but they're like, they're like uh, treating like this is real estate and they're doing garage sales. And got <laughs> Are you the buyer? Uh, <laughs> You're the buyer? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's a great opportunity to talk to the kids about, hey, this is what a downturn looks like. We haven't seen this in 10 years. Maybe we haven't seen this in 90 years. And here's what we're looking at. Here's what mom and dad are looking at for our, our to buy uh, when you want to buy when it's low. So it's a great opportunity to talk to the kids about these things. And then also talk to them about what, uh, what, what opportunities are out there. What's not going away? Is it, is it risky to buy a Costco building right now or to buy a sliver of a Costco building? Is it risky to buy a house near the beach with a great location? Um, certain people understand that certain things have intrinsic value regardless of what the... You kind of froze. Oh, you froze. Okay, you froze. 
Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So if you can repeat that, that would be great. Sure. You know, just focusing on the markets with the kids, you know, let them let them evaluate businesses themselves. You know, I'll often walk out of a Costco and say, did Costco over-deliver or under-deliver? Did Disney over-deliver or under-deliver? Let them understand that the way to make money is to deliver value to other people, number one. And then on the real estate side, you know, is it risky to own a house by the beach or is it risky to own a Costco building or a McDonald's? Uh, regardless of the ups and downs of the market, these are what create opportunities because you really really want to teach your children to buy when things are going down, not necessarily when they're going up. Because if you can buy when things are going down, that's where you can build some generational wealth. Yep. Yep. And that's really, as a family, that's what we want, right? We, we want to make sure that our kids are learning what they need to learn, meeting the people that they need to meet so that they can build their own wealth. Because we can't live off of mutual fund. That's just a matter of when, when you're going to run out of money or when you're going to die first. Can you hear me? Yeah, they don't pay cash. I lost you. Oh, Oops. okay. Sorry. And no, I think we're having internet. I think everybody's on the internet at the same time. I know. Yep, you're right. I want to at least share your webpage, futuremoneytrends.com. And then you also are doing a lot of YouTube. And that's Future Money Trends. Absolutely. And if you guys go to futuremoneytrends.com slash save, or if you want, you can go to slash virus. We have the virus updates as far as what we're investing in. And then on slash save, you can actually read the intro and the first chapter of my book, Don't Save for Retirement, emails. And these are these are free links. Okay. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes so that people can go, especially the virus, that so people can understand what's going on on a daily basis and your recommendation. Thank you so much for being on the show. I know we had a little few glitches, but I think that's probably because everybody is online also <laughs> trying. Literally. Hopefully they're learning. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Okay, thank you. And listeners, thank you so much for being here. And as always, until next time, keep on learning and keep on growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And Until next time, have a wonderful week.